All right, we're going to dive back into our series called Brave. We typically, I, I typically teach a series for about six weeks, and I really feel that we're to stretch a couple of weeks on this one, uh, just some things that the Lord has put in my heart. Let's go ahead and pick up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. If you're with me, say amen. amen. It says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave. Everybody say, be brave. Be strong, let all that you do be done with love. And let me go ahead and review for you so you know why we're doing this. Um, I believe that there are some key attitudes and actions. Go, go ahead and say attitudes and actions. That's huge. That's your life. That's how you move. Your atti- there's key attitudes and actions that are prescribed for us by Scripture. Therefore, it's prescribed for us by God. That we know these things, if you've been around at all, uh, you know these things, you believe these things, you expect these things in other, other people, you, you hold people to those things, but, but here's the deal. But we somehow exempt ourselves. We exempt ourselves. We attempt to justify why we don't do these attitudes and actions like we opt out because we have some uh, special exception. And that's not true. That's very lame. And, and my assignment actually is to call you out on that, to challenge you on that. And what I've been doing is I've been daring you. I've been daring you. Let me go over the dares we've had this far. I dare you to love. I dare you to stop judging others. I dare you to judge yourself. I dare you to forgive. I dare you to receive forgiveness from God. I dare you to forgive yourself. I dare you to believe. And then last week, I dared you to be a man of God. And last week, last weekend, and then throughout the week, I've had a number of ladies ask me, are you coming after the ladies today? (laughs) No, no, I'm not. But what we are praying about and and doing some early planning on is doing something later this fall that we're going to call Ladies and Gentlemen. And we'll do this over a couple of Wednesday nights. And I want you all to come and what we'll do, we'll all worship together in here and then we'll, we'll split up and I will take all the men with me and we'll go over to the gym and I'm, I'll be teaching the men on some of these things and Alicia's going to stay here in the sanctuary and teach the ladies. Then the next week we'll come and we'll worship together and then we'll split and Alicia will take all the men to the gym and she's going to tell y'all what's up, Okay. And then I'll stay back here with all the ladies and I'm going to be terrified. Okay. And so, but that'll be, that'll be coming up. So listen out for that. Our world today. Whew. I mean, no, it's a little crazy out there. I mean, you know, it's a little crazy out there in our world today. And I want to use this phrase. There is a cultural and moral drift. I want to get that word in your thinking, a cultural and moral drift. Uh, relativism is, is pervasive. Relativism is just convenient as far as when you want to believe something or not. And there's no truth unless I like the truth. And um, that's very crippling to our culture. Uh, the prophet Isaiah warned us about calling good evil and calling evil good. And that's happening in our culture. And then our whole culture is hobbled by political correctness that 
can't say anything about anything pretty much. And it's real blurry, it's real confusing, and I have to tell you that the drift continues. The drift continues. In the Middle East, the deserts that would be there are sandy deserts. And and think about this with me, try to picture this. The desert sands are in a continual state of drift because of the wind. And what that does, it creates barrenness. And that barrenness spreads. So here you've got the wind just driving the sand and it's in this continual state of drift. But, and I'll be right back. But if you would take a boulder. I work hard for you people. Actually, it's not too heavy at all for me. (laughs) If you would take and could put in that drift, in that sand, if you could put a boulder down, then on the, what is called the leeward side, it's the shielded side away from the wind, after a few showers, life is going to start to spring up right there. And given some time, and that protection remains and the water comes, then you're going to have vegetation, you're going to have life growing right there. Now understand that the drift continues, but not right there. And in our world, this drift that's going on, and I have to to tell you the truth on this, there There's some schools of thought in Christianity that we're going to fix it all up and we're going to stop the drift and make everything just right again, just like it was and leave it to beaver. And I got to tell you, that's not going to happen. Oh, pastor, where's your faith? It's not, it's not about faith. It's about God's plan and God's timetable. That's just not, that's not going to be the case. But as his people, you need not fear. You need not fear. You need to trust him. And here's what you need to realize, that though that drift would be going on, we can't stop that drift. Oh, yes, we can. We'll pray it. No, no, you're not going to be able to stop all that cultural and moral drift. You won't be able to stop it. But you know what? You can stop it for me. I can stop it for my life, for my family. I can stop it right here and be protected by having a rock in my life. Listen to me. What happens is the rock, the rock stops the drift. Now, a rock is very symbolic in Scripture and in in literature. And it can mean a number of things. And we see it throughout Scripture. But I want to suggest to you, and for this morning, our purpose is the rock is going to represent convictions. Convictions. So look at me. I dare you. I dare you to be a person of conviction of conviction, that you have some real deal rocks, boulders in your life of conviction. Let's look at this and we'll kind of uh, develop this as we go this morning. There are issues in our world. There are ideas in our world. There are questions in our world that you need to answer for yourself. You need to get settled and solid about where do I stand Do you even have a rock 
a boulder in your life concerning this issue or that idea or this question. And and, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to take some work. If this was easy, everybody would have it. It's going to take some effort. You're going to have to put your back into it. Hold on, I'll be right back. You're going to need to do the work and mine it out and, and wrestle it to the ground. I work hard for you people. You're going to have to, as many as it takes, you're going to have to get these rocks in your life because what they do, though the drift would continue, there is a safe side on the other side of that rock that you've got to have in your life. I can't stop it for everybody else. But I can create a place in my life and and for my family, I can create a place behind the rock. Y'all with me? That stops the drift concerning me and allows some growth and some life to take place there. But you're going to have to do the work, dig in, work it out, wrestle it to the ground. And and did I tell you, it's going to take a little bit of work. In Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 4, Joshua is leading the children of Israel. And um, the Lord had told him, he said, just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. And he, he was pretty strong with Moses. And now they're coming up on the Jordan River and the Lord speaks to Joshua, their leader. And he says this, when you get to the water, when you get to the Jordan and they're wondering, how are we going to cross the river? We're supposed, we know we're supposed to, how many of you know that if God got you through the Red Sea, he can get you through the river. Okay. And see, that's what you've got to be reminded of. And so as they're going along, the Lord instructs him, he says, the priests that are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you get to the water, have them take a few steps into the water. And that's all he told them. And so as soon as their feet touched the water, the water split. And, and, and the scripture says that at the time of the year, in the harvest time, the waters were, I mean, about to overflow already. And the Lord caused the water to stop, to push back and to mount up. And he held it back and the rest of it went on and flowed on down into the Dead Sea. And it left a dry riverbed for them to be able to cross over. Hey, Spielberg ain't got nothing on God, okay? I just, just want to say that. And they crossed on over and, and the priests holding the Ark of the Covenant, they're standing in the middle there. And Joshua instructed them. He said, now before the river goes back to business, he said, I want one from each of the 12 tribes. And that's symbolic because what he's saying is, I don't want anybody to miss this. So all the families, all the tribes, I want somebody from each of the tribes to go in and get a rock. And theologians suggest it had to be at least a hundred pounder. So there's no pebbles. It's like, look, and I got a shell. You know, it's, 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 it's not that. Had to, a real deal, bring a boulder out because this had to mean something. And they had to work and dig that out and get that boulder out and bring it. And he said, and place it on the West Bank. And then they did all of that. They cleared the water. The water let go. And there, there it was again flowing again. And, and Joshua told them, he said, these 12 rocks that are here. He said, a day in the future, your children will say, what do these stones mean? And you're going to have, what do these stones mean? And they were able to say, hey, we were there and we saw it. And, and you couldn't talk us out of this. God is faithful and God is powerful. And God saw us through and God took care of us. 
And they knew that and they could pass it on. And it became a rock. It became a conviction in their life because they knew they'd been there. They'd settled that and they mined that out of the riverbed. We've got this rock of conviction in our life that God saw us through. God is powerful and God will always be with us. Are you following me? And we've got to have that kind of thing in our, in our life. Set a rock in your life. Stop the drift. And that takes, that is the form of your convictions. Now, your faith, listen to this statement. Your faith will never go past your question marks. Your faith will never go past your question marks. If you're questioning if God is alive, if you're questioning if he's powerful, if he's able, uh, did he, uh, is he able to perform his promises? Is he a healer? Is he a whatever? You've got to get those questions. You need to settle those questions because your faith is never going to go past your question marks. It's also been said that if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And can I tell you, we've got too many gullible Christians in our world today. And unless you get some rocks in your life, get these in your life, you're going to, you're going to be fooled by a whole lot of things in, the, in these days and in the days to come. And so I dare you again to have convictions. In Romans chapter 14, you all with me? Romans 14, verse 5, it says, One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. And then it says this, let each one, say that's me, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. We're saying there's going to be some issues that are not too weighty. You know, this day's holy. No, all days are holy. You know, you've got to determine that for yourself. And there's going to be other issues that are very, very weighty. And what the scripture is saying, let each one be convinced in his own mind, which means I can't just what, what mama said, or my friend said, I've got it in my own mind. I've got to get this settled in my life. Be convinced in your own mind. That Greek word for mind there, uh, carries the idea also of your intellect, your intellect. It can't just be this feeling. Well, I just, I just, I just feel that way. You've got to have a little bit more to it than just, I feel that way. Faith is a reasoned trust. It, it involves all of you. And, and yes, it's all with your heart, but also it does not dismiss your mind from this. You're going to have to get these settled in your life. Convictions are a firmly held belief, a persuasion, a position, a stance, a view. And once you get this in your life, and you should have a bunch of these. Everybody say a bunch of these. You should have convictions on this and convictions on that. You should, you should work those things out. That's what you should be doing with all of your days. And where there's questions and where you're unsure of things or, or you, you sense a shift even in your own thinking, you've got to get this settled and God will help you to do it. And we'll, we'll show you some things before we, before we finish here. But once you get these in your life, then certain things are going to come up in your life. And if you have convictions, hear me, hear me out on this. I hope I can say this right. If I have convictions, then, then there are some things that for me, for me, because of my convictions, will always be wrong. And there'll be other things because of my convictions, for me, that would always be right. There are going to be some things because of my convictions that are just non-negotiable. And so when you have these kind of convictions, then here's what happens. You set, get this, you set your principles, you set your priorities, and you set your practices. I see some of you writing, so let me go over this again. When you establish your convictions, you set your principles, you set your priorities, 
and you set your practices. Now listen to me. Here's, here's the takeaway on that. When you have your principles, your practices, and your priorities set, about 95% of your decisions are already made for you. Do you hear me? Because you've done the work. You're not having, oh, I, I, I don't know what. I, no, you get you, 95, I would dare say 95% of your decisions are made for you because of that. Here's another good thing. When you have convictions in your life, you now can match temptation. When temptation comes to you, you now have an answer. Where before, if you don't have convictions and temptation comes to you, here's your answer. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe. Uh, will we get in trouble? Uh, you know, you've got, you've got all these other things. But you know what? When you have convictions, when you have this in your life, then when temptation comes, you have a voice. You have an answer. And you say no. And not just no, but no because. No because of my convictions. Remember... A couple decades ago, Nancy Reagan, the first lady at the time, came up with an uh, anti-drug initiative called Just Say No. Well, can I tell you, Just Say No doesn't work. You have to say no to something and you have to say yes to something. And you can't just say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. No, you have to have the the foundation behind it of a conviction that you can say no. i tell you why I say no. And it's because of convictions that you've mined, that you've, that you've brought together in your life. And did I mention this? It would take a little bit of effort. But you know what? It's what stops the drift in your life. Further, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Here's the other thing it does. It helps you to settle and articulate why you even believe what you believe. And you're able to articulate that to other people because you've done the work. And say, well, why do you believe that? I don't know. I just, I just believe it. Well, that's not a very good answer for you. And that's a horrible answer for somebody else. It's a matter that we get rocks in our life so we can stop the drift. Y'all with me this morning? All right. Now, your convictions must have a foundation. They've got to have a basis. It cannot be just from dogma. And it can't be just from grandma. You know what I mean? There are a lot of people, well, we do this because grandma always said. Well, you know, if you're like my family, one of my grandmas was whack. (laughs) So that's all I'm going to say on that right now. But it has to be more than that. You can't, the basis and foundation of your uh, convictions cannot be TV. It can't be the news. It can't be uh, whichever party's in power. It can't be social media. It can't be your friends. You ready for this? And it can't even be your religious tradition. Because at some point, your religious tradition may not have been accurately divided. And so you get things that are just passed on to you. And so we've got to make sure, why do you believe that? What is the basis and the foundation of you believing, having a conviction concerning the questions, the issues of our day? Well, let me tell you that as a believer, any believers in this place today? All right, I need the believers to perk up a little bit in this place today, or I'll throw a rock at you and I, I could do it. 
as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the basis and foundation for your convictions comes from the Bible, comes from God's Word. Okay? That's where it comes from. Well, Pastor, that's kind of old-fashioned. It's not old-fashioned at all. It's eternal. It's eternal. It's before everybody. It'll be after everybody. This outlasts. Truth endures forever. Truth endures forever. And the truth will set you free. And this, as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the basis. This is the foundation for my convictions. I can't get it from TV. What they keep telling, what they tell me keeps changing. I can't get it from friends. They're fickle. They're limited. And you, you can't get it from all these other... You've got to get the rocks for your life, the real deal. You've got to get it out of God's Word, which is going to require you overcome scriptural illiteracy. It's not enough to just have a Bible. Crack that thing open. And don't just read it. Let it speak to you. And study and learn. We've got to get over scriptural malnutrition. You know, where we got Bibles and we think a, a big one on a table in our living room is going to protect us. Like it's some supernatural protector thing. No, you're going to have to get the living word living inside of you. And that's what's going to make the difference. We've got to renew our minds to this. What this is all called is a biblical world view. Everybody say biblical world view. And when you have a biblical world view, this will inform your convictions. The Bible, listen, if you accept the word of God as God's word, God knowing more than anybody else. Come on, y'all. Y'all are making me work now. God knowing more than anybody else. He's the only wise God. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. His thoughts and ways are far above our thoughts and ways. His vantage point is way better than mine, yours, anybody else that you know. God, God, God knows. And so we accept what God says. We accept God's word to us. That's the basis. That's the foundation of the convictions in our life. And that is a biblical worldview. And I use the phrase biblical worldview. And a lot of literature today is the phrase Christian worldview. And I don't really hold to that. And you go, well, aren't you a Christian? Absolutely Christian. But I, I don't think that's a good, a good way to phrase it. Because a Christian worldview, how many of you know there's a whole lot of variety of Christian out there? Matter of fact, get this, a 2011 study, 2011 study done by the Center for the Study of Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in 2011 came up with this number. Worldwide in Christianity, there are 41,000 denominations. 41,000 different denominations under the banner of Christianity. I'm not sure all of that is pleasing to Jesus, but that's not my point today. And the thing is, you're, you're bound to have variety all over the place. And people have split and started their own deal because we like chocolate. No, we like butterscotch. And, and, you know, and it just goes on and on what people split over. And so I think the only standard that we can come back to and the only safe standard for all of us is to come back to God's word and to have a biblical worldview. Let me tell you what a biblical worldview is as we... 
as we cruise on here. And I did a teaching on this uh, probably about six weeks worth a couple of years ago called Filter. You could probably look that one up. Here's a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is viewing the world, the beginning of the world, the people of the world, the problems of the world, the governments of the world, the issues of the world, the solutions of the world, and the future of the world through the lens of God's Word. So you look at everything. Everybody say everything. I've got to look at everything. My worldview, the filter, the lens that I look at everything has to come through God's word. And that will inform my convictions so I'll know where to stand. While this is hard work, it, it will pay off for you. You will find the answers. This is not that you've got to climb through jagged glass and rocking up mountains and find a guru and never find the answer. No, I'm telling you, the answers are, are there and your best place to go is, first of all, to the great, wonderful place, the minefield of God's word to mind, mind these things out. Think, pray, read, study, ask, counsel, discuss, confer, pray, and study some more. And I'm telling you what God will reveal to you. And all the issues, all the ideas, all the questions of our day, you need to go to God and say, God, Help me to know where I stand on this. Not just because I heard some other people talk about this, but help this become a real, real deal rock in my life on this. So let me share with you just a couple of some of my convictions, okay? That these are convictions in my life. First of all, I will never eat okra. Never. It's a conviction. If you try to tempt me, say, well, have you tried it? pickled? Have you tried it boiled? Have you tried it in this and that? I have an answer for you. No. No, because, and I think I'm scriptural on this. It's, it's part of the curse. It's a perversion of nature. It is the vegetable form of the cockroach. Just telling you. All right, listen, I did all that to get your attention. We've got to have some real deal convictions on things. And yeah, that's a conviction, that one. Let, Let me just hit a couple here. I get up early every morning. I don't get up early because of obligation. I don't get up early out of fear. I don't get up early because somebody's watching me because when I get up, nobody's watching. I don't get up early because I'm all rested. I get up early out of a conviction that's on the inside of me. I don't get up early because I went to bed early. It doesn't matter what time I went to bed. I have a conviction that I'm not going to go in time debt on this day, on a new day. It's a conviction for me that I'm to rise up early. I see Jesus getting up a great while before dawn to spend time with his father. I found that for me, my life doesn't work as well unless I've had time with my sponsor, so to speak. And to get with him, and it works best for me early. So for me, it's become a conviction. Alicia and I have raised five children. In raising our children, we've, we've raised them with convictions. And we didn't get it all right all along. And there's things that we learned and grew in. And there's some things we wish we had done earlier or never done or whatever along the way. But you know what? We 
sought God and we had convictions about how we raised our children and where they're at and the trajectory of their life and they're not perfect and we didn't do it perfect. But you know what? I'm real happy. I'm real happy with their hearts, their minds and the trajectory of their life. And I think it's based because we, we raised them upon conviction. And I can remember times where they'd come home, but so-and-so's mom lets them do this. And I go, well, Alicia go, I ain't so-and-so's mom. I'm your mom. And as a Gilligan in our house, this is the way we do this. And we would say, and this is why we do this. And you know what? We did that on conviction. Our entire married life, and even before I was married, I started tithing. I didn't tithe because somebody made me tithe. I wasn't afraid that if I didn't tithe, the washer and dryer would blow up. It, it, it wasn't any of that. There was nobody checking on me, making sure you didn't tithe this week. It wasn't that. It was a conviction on the inside that anything that God brought increase and trust me with them. We, we've done this when we've had very little and when we had, when we had a whole lot more than that. Anytime God brought any increase into our life, we live by a conviction. A conviction that we said, God, if you've trusted us with something, then the first part of that, according to your word, the first part of that, I'm going to return back to you to acknowledge you and to honor you and see, and and you said to do that and see what you would do. And I'll tell you what, he's done all that he was, he said he would do. It's a conviction for us and we've got to have convictions in our life and each of those areas of our life. We've got so many issues out in our world today. Even let's, let's take one abortion. It's become a a political battle. It's become an ideological battle. And I'm just telling you, and and listen, if you've been any part of an abortion, you had one, you paid for one, whatever you, listen, you can be forgiven and healed and I, and I, and go to the healer and let him do that for you. But I have to tell you as a biblical conviction with a biblical worldview, it's, it's, it's wrong. Well, where do you get that? I get it from scripture and God said this. That when we were conceived, when we were in our mother's womb, before any of our days out here were yet, he knew us. He saw us. He saw all of our days before we had even started. And then we have science. If people could just look into that womb. I mean, if they could look in with an ultrasound, which a lot of places are doing now, if you could see, if you know that that heart is beating, that body's moving, that little mind is, that little brain is firing up. This is not a question of some convenient way to get out of something. Hey, go through the season and God will help you through that season. But it's a conviction and we need need to have a conviction and not just have convenience in our life. You got to put down a rock in that. Are you you hearing me? And there's, there's issue after issue after issue. And I'm not talking about we become all dogmatic and rigid about everything and self-righteous. You better not. Because nobody will listen to you. But get it settled in you. You can't stop the whole desert from blowing. But you can put some rocks down in your life. And stop the drift at least for me and my house. In Psalm 1, and I won't read it all right now, but it talks about if you do some certain things, you're going to be like a tree. And if you don't do those things, then you're going to be like chaff. Let's just do this real quick. We won't do a a, a full scientific count. But how many of you would rather be the tree than chaff? Okay, I'm assuming the rest of you just want to be chaff, okay? <laughs> Here's what happens. That if you'll do kind of what I said this morning here, you'll become like a tree and that tree is going to have roots. And that roots, those roots will keep you grounded and secure and strong even if a storm comes. And you know what else those roots will do? 
they'll go down and they'll tap into the life source. Or it can be chaff, which is just this empty shell, just this empty husk. It has no weight. It's not connected to anything. And you know what? It blows away. It blows away. And here's what makes the difference. It says in Psalm 1, got to find my pen. It says in Psalm 1, it says, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Let's break down that word for a moment. Ungodly. It means this, apart from God, without God, removed from God. It means that you would live life. Hear me, hear me. It means that you would take counsel for your life to develop convictions for your life that God is not a part of. You've taken God out of that. Here's the result. You'll be chaff. You just blow away. Just go with the drift. I hate to break this news to you, but do you know who, who follows the counsel of the ungodly sometimes? Christians? Okay, I've got to get a little more closer to you. You do. You follow the counsel of the ungodly when you don't have convictions. You've got to get this settled in your life. Stop just going with the TV set or whatever party's in charge or your friends or grandma or whatever. We, we can't do that anymore. You're going to have to get a biblical world view or you're going to be caught up in a sandstorm like you would not believe. But work it out and God will match you. God will match your effort. You seek him, you'll find him. You knock, it will be opened. You hunger and thirst, you'll be filled. You go after it. You go after it and God will reveal himself. And you cannot do it apart from God. You can't do it apart from his word. And I'm telling you what, the day will come where something solid gets on the inside of you. It's a rock. It's conviction. And it will be in your life. And the sand will keep on drifting. And we can't save the whole world. We can't stop this drift from going on. But you know what? In your life, you can put down these rocks of conviction. And there's a safe side on here. And the rain of the Spirit will come. And things will start to grow. And vegetation will come. And even though it's a crazy world, there's a little bit of heaven on earth right there for you right there. I got one other thing I got to share with you. And we'll get out of here. I dare you. I dare you to be a person of conviction. I dare you. And as you have conviction for your life, in 1 Peter 3.15, and we read it earlier, it says this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready. Follow this. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Watch this. With meekness and fear. It didn't say angry and, and, and defensive but with meekness and fear. And here's what I'd like to say to you. Get it settled, but then be civil. Never impose your convictions on somebody else. It's ugly when you do that. But I'm right. And I've sought this out from God and his word and it's a rock in my life. Good. But you cannot impose, you can't burden, you can't force your convictions on somebody else. And that's why the scripture says, be settled about it, but be civil about it. 
You've got to try to honor those that you hope to influence. Gone is the day it's proven it doesn't work to jam your righteousness down somebody else's throat. Instead, you get settled. You get solid on this. And then be respectful. And be gentle. And let them see that though the sands are drifting and driving and barrenness everywhere, but you know what? You keep staying in a safe place. And things are growing in your life. You've got to get this in your life. Well, I've run out of time, but I want to dare you. I want to dare you to be a person of conviction, to get these rocks in your life and stop the drift for you. Do you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.